You're listening to GNU World Order, Season 12, Episode 39. So today, in this episode, I want to talk a little bit more about gaming. There's no real particular reason I'm talking about it, but I, I started talking about it last time with the Lutris client. Uh, well, and then previously, previous to that, I was talking about Steam, so it just kind of seems natural to cover the other big gaming thing that I'm aware of that is probably worth uh, mentioning right now, especially because there's a particularly appealing uh, game jam that is going to happen fairly soon that you might be um, keen on at least knowing about, if not participating in. So let's get started. Itch.io is the website. If you go to itch.io, you find what appears to be an online store for what I guess everyone's calling an indie game. And indie game is a term... I... 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 those... Those terms, you know, that are that that become descriptive of something, but that originally meant actually meant something. Those sort of confound me. But and indie tends to be one of those terms. It, it is very very often applied to categories that that meet a certain aesthetic. When in reality, the aesthetic only existed because it's indie. So I, I really don't like the term indie. Is what I'm trying to say. But it is descriptive, I guess. So we're going to call these indie games because I mean that's what they are. They're independent games. Are there are there games on there that I guess the problem with the indie term for me is there are levels of indie, right? There's 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 the one person sitting around programming uh, in the corner of a cafe and then there's the indie thing where it's like 10 people coding in a small startup space because they got a lot of venture capital and had nothing better to do with it all. So there's that whole spectrum. And itch.io hosts it all. Itch.io is uncurated. It is you you post a game on itch.io and the game exists for people to download. As a as a game creator, you can post a game and offer it for download for free or not for free. You can ask people to pay what what they think it's worth. You can ask people to pay a certain amount. It's it's really just kind of it it is a pretty straightforward storefront where people can post stuff. And and along with that is the whole the whole spectrum of of trade-offs. It's uncurated, so sometimes you're going to find things that people sort of posted after playing around for a few days and not really finishing the task at hand, but they figured, well, hey, I created this thing and so I'm going to post it. You you find open source, you find non-open source. You find stuff for Linux, you find stuff for not that, that doesn't work on Linux. You find stuff that were that was programmed in uh, I don't know Unity. Let's pretend I, I haven't actually seen that, but I'm sure it exists. No, actually, you know what? I have seen that. There is a game on there that was programmed in Unity, a- and you see stuff programmed in Love, and you see stuff programmed in JavaScript. You know, it's it's just everything is there, and it's all some degree of indie game. So if that appeals to you, then itch.io is something that you should check out, whether or not you even care that they've got a desktop app, which I have not even mentioned yet. But in terms of, gee, where can I find nice little games to try out? And you know, I mean, if I may sort of wander off the path for a moment, it's kind of funny because I, I feel like the the cliche that everyone is coming to terms with right now about gamers, about serious gamers, is that when they were kids, they had plenty of time to play whatever game they wanted to play, but they didn't necessarily 
have the money to to obtain that game. And now that they're adults, you know, we, we see serious gamers now, like in their adult years. Now that they're adults, they have all the money that they want for, for whatever game they want, and they're finding that actually they don't have time to play the game. And I think that's the, that is kind of, if you listen to game gaming podcasts and i listen to a couple here and there or if you follow gaming sites and i again i co- i follow a couple here and there you see that as a problem that's the modern quandary of of the of a gamer of an of an adult gamer and it's funny because i i i knew about that that cliche long ago i i've i've known that that was a thing and and i kind of wondered what that must be like because on linux of course i don't have that problem now i i you know, I've I've had consoles before, and and again, I I don't I don't really have that problem myself because I don't I'm not that much of a serious gamer, where I need to play all the the latest titles all the way through or or whatever the problem is. I can't really even I'm not sure what the problem is. I mean, it's for people who really like games, you know. So and and I I sympathize. I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be dismissive of of the problem, but on Linux, of course that that for a very long time has not been a problem and now i really think that we're starting to come up against that problem there are so many games on linux right now and and again there are degrees of this you know you can complain that there aren't enough games on linux because you, you for every game that comes out on linux there's another game that comes out that isn't linux compatible and maybe that's the game that you care about you know like grand theft auto 18 or whatever if that's the one game that you want to play on your linux box so even if there are a dozen Elder Scrolls and a dozen whatever else's uh, Resident Evils and, and you know everything else that's coming out on Linux. I mean, not, I don't. I think those are strangely titles that aren't coming out on Linux at all. But anyway, um, if 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 the game that you care about isn't on Linux, it doesn't matter that there are ten that just came out high quality games for Linux. So the one that you actually want isn't available, and so the the market is is not good for you. That said, for a lot of people, for a lot of certainly, um, I wouldn't say casual gamer, but gamers who just aren't that passionate about gaming, um, it's it's the Linux scene is pretty good, you know. Like you you look you look for something within a certain genre, and you can find something really uh, a really big game within that genre. And I feel like Linux gamers are now starting to be threatened by this by this curse by this curse of well, I've got so many games now, what should I play where do i even start and i mean i'm i'm very fatalistic about that sort of thing i just i try a bunch of different ones and the one that sticks is the one that i spend my time on it's a pretty simple rule of thumb and if it's an old game that i that i just keep going back to and there are a couple of those then i just i that's what i do i i don't have any sense of obligation to uh play this latest release or whatever but i i do feel like the linux library of games can it is finally becoming overwhelming and that's a great place to be and that said i think really i think there's a a a pragmatic niche that indie games fill and that is well i do want to play a game this afternoon i don't want to sign up for a, a game that if i spend an afternoon on it i will have to you know i will get through the tutorial and and then and and i haven't even started the game yet and then I won't come back to that game until another month goes by, and then by then I'll have forgotten everything, so I'll have to play that tutorial part again, you know. And it just goes on and on, and and it's, it it is it's kind of overwhelming to get involved in a big, heavy, hefty 
game like that. Indie games are very frequently not like that. They they are very frequently bite-sized games. They are things that you can pop in and play and then leave, forget about, come back, play some more. You know, there's no there's no uh insistence of, of continuity or of repetition. It's just something that you can do if you want. Not all indie games are like that. I don't mean to paint them all with the same brush by any means. But but I, I do feel like that's kind of a niche that they are that they are filling. And and you could probably argue, well, you know, a lot of mobile games are doing that sort of thing too. And yeah, you're you're right. The the mobile market is very frequently exactly the same philosophy. People need a, a small distraction on the subway while they're going home. That this is something that they can do and and not invest too much in. They'll miss their stop, but they'll they, they'll they can deal with that on their own. So indie games are nice, is my point. And they're they're filling a need in the game market. But besides that, besides looking at the f- sort of the form and function of indie games, I think it's really worth just mentioning that a lot of times they're. They're different. They're they're kind of works of art, which you know I, I I'm not saying that you have to care about art to even care that these things are ob- objectively works of art, right? These things are are sometimes they're experiments, and sometimes they don't work. But by gum, maybe they do work sometimes, and you realize, wow, this is a really this would this is a really good idea. This this wouldn't be bad if 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 someone else you know, borrowed this idea for something bigger or or if this person got some money to 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 make the the full version of this. Or maybe it is what it is and that's fine and it's just really nice to look at or it, it's got a really interesting mechanic and, and maybe maybe it wouldn't work for a, a bigger thing, but, but for what it is, it, it works quite well. So indie games, my point being, indie games are probably worth looking at even if, you know, whether or not you feel you're a gamer or you have any interest in gaming if you if you have the the smallest interest in having fun on your computer it, it might be worth looking at itch.io because there are some really cool things on there and it is as easy as that you can go to their website you can i i don't know if you have to i don't remember at this point if you have to log in to download or not i i'm i cannot recall but certainly it's worth going to their web, website and looking around because it's one of those things where I mean, some games you can even play online. There are HTML5 games on on the site, so you may not even have to download it at all. But you can download the games, and then you can play them, and and that's that's great. You can download games specifically tagged as Linux games, and they will give you a Linux binary, and you can play them. It's really really nice. And it so happens that itch.io also has an an application, a desktop application associated with the site that you can download. It is, as far as I know, called itch.io. I mean, that's as far as I know, that's also the name of the application. So you can download the app. It's uh, at the very top of the of the itch.io homepage. There should be a little, um, a little bar telling you, hey, you can download this thing. Or you can just go to itch.io slash app and click download. Yes, it works for, as it says here, Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. I always wonder about the order they put those things. You know, I mean, Windows, I presume they're doing that because it's market share, but the, the, the Mac versus Linux thing, I honestly question whether they get more Mac or Linux users really on this site. Maybe maybe Mac is still beating Linux, I don't know, but I, I, I do kind of wonder. And anyway, if they were doing it like alphabetically or something, I guess it's technically reverse alphabetically, Windows, Mac, and then Linux. 
So you can download it from, from the website, and it downloads an itch setup shell script or something, and you launch that, and it installs the application. The install path, this is so this is straight from the website, right? So the install path for that is a little bit unexpected. It's it's in your home directory in a .itch folder slash app dash 25.01.0. Look at that. The site says it's 0.0, .0 uh, slash itch. So it, it gets installed into like sort of a self-contained folder called .itch. And, and I guess that's to mimic, I, I would imagine, what people's expectations are in terms of uh, Steam or uh, Lutris even. They, they all kind of have this this idea of, well, we're going to make a sort of a, a, a root directory for ourselves, and we're going to keep everything that we do inside of that root directory. So even, for instance, uh, if you'll recall from the previous episode, Lutris, you can install emulators. Uh, Med, Mednafin, I think, is one of them. Install that to play your uh, Super NES or your uh, Game Boy Advanced ROM files, and all, you know, that, that, that executable, the thing that you're installing so that Lutris can then run something in an emulator, is is entirely you know it, it all exists within this new the root of your Lutris folder in uh, your home dot config slash Lutris or maybe it's dot local slash share slash Lutris I think is where it is and so it's it all gets dumped into there I guess this is a little bit unusual in a sense because as Linux users especially I think we're we tend to be used to everything sort of getting distributed onto the system, you know, kind of an overlay type of thing. Here's my here's my system. Here's the thing that I'm installing. Now place it, you know, completely just, just lay it over my system and everything will fall into place and I'm fine with that. So it was very confusing to me when I was first trying to find where this itch app was. I mean, it, it installed itself or it, it launched itself after the install, but I couldn't figure out how to launch it again. And, and it's because it doesn't generate a .desktop file for you. It doesn't do anything like that. It just places itself in the .itch folder, and and there's your system. So if you're doing it off of the website, your install process will have to be a little bit more involved. I mean, if you want to ever uh, launch the application, you know, outside of a terminal, if you want to get it into an application menu or something like that, then you have to generate a .desktop file. It's not hard to do. There are lots of examples in slash user, slash share, slash applications. Just kind of copy one of those knowing that the path of the actual executable is in your home directory dot itch slash app dash version string slash itch. That's the executable. It's one of those web webkit dependent applications. I don't know for sure if that's if that means that it is also Electron.js or if Electron.js does not necessarily come along with WebKit. I'm not really sure, but it's one of those applications where if you look at it even a little bit closely at all, you'll you'll think, I feel like I'm on a website. And that's because you're on a website. It's it's one of those sort of hybrid applications. And I've seen a lot of people complain about that and talk about how memory intensive these kinds of applications are or how redundant it is because you're, you know, you're installing a uh, too many libraries that are specific to this application when the library should be shared and little things like that i look i i don't really use that many of these applications i guess maybe but the ones that i have used and the ones that i've seen seem really nice to me um i mean not really nice but really nice because they're they are in invariably cross-platform windows mac and linux in reverse alphabetical order um so it, it's 
I don't know. I see a lot of benefit here, and I know that a lot of people complain about it. I'm not 100% sure why they complain about it, other than just kind of, oh, I would rather not use that technology. It just seems kind of weird for to, to me for people to complain passionately about something that, you know, if you're not pro, if you're not contributing to the code, then why do you care what, what it's using on the back end? Like, as long as it's open source and you can look at it to make sure it's kind of sound, I, I don't really understand the problem. But anyway, that aside, it is one of those hybrid applications. So it, it I, I guess it can feel a little bit weird to have this application that is running sort of an internal web browser alike when you could just go to itch.io, the website, and get basically the same information. But what the application does give you, what it does provide you, is it gives you a place to see the items from itch.io that you own, so the ones that you have either paid for or downloaded because they were free. And then it also shows you what you actually have installed. And those can be two different things, because certainly if you have itch on a couple of different applic- uh, on a couple of different computers on your laptop on your desktop maybe maybe you you may own i don't know three or four little apps little 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 games that are really lightweight and easy to run so you run those on your laptop but you don't install you don't bother installing a big application like Totomori or something like that where it's big and lots of graphics and 3D stuff you don't install that on your laptop. Maybe you, you, you reserve that for your desktop. So you can have owned items and then you can have installed items. They're, they can be two different things. You can go to a dedicated view uh, of, of either. So I think in the in the Steam interface, I, I I guess that would be sort of the equivalent of just your your default view of, of, of your library. And that'll show you everything uh, in uh, everything that you own, for instance. Lots of different filter types. You can filter it by your your most recent acquisitions, by title name, whether or not it's installed, whether it's a game, whether it's a game asset, whether it's a comic or a book or a tool. Yeah. So itch.io actually doesn't just deal in games. They're they're really a it's it's just a store. You know, it's an online repository of stuff that you can go to and i've seen people selling um pen and paper rpgs you know tabletop games on on itch.io i thought that was quite an interesting use case and and there's certainly game assets out there that people you know the pixel art or something for for a little indie dungeon crawler throw it up on itch and it's there and maybe it's for free or maybe it's two bucks it's it's yeah it's a nice little repository of all kinds of stuff so you can manage all that more or less through your itch application, your itch uh, app. And I say more or less because there have I've experienced one or two edge cases that don't necessarily work out of the box. So I'm going to I'm going to right now install something called Mr. Rescue. Mr. Rescue is a it's an arcade style 2D firefighting game. And I quite like it. It's a cute little game. It's um it's programmed in Lua using the Love Engine, in fact. And it's inst- it's 11 megabytes, so it's just installed as I was talking. And now I'm going to click on the play button. And it says that this game indicates it was made for version 10 of Love, probably not going to be compatible with 11.1. Okay? And sure enough, it launches and there's an error. So actually, that's farther than I got the previous time. Um, so the 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 original problem that I had when I when I attempted to play this on on uh, through itch was and I'd originally found it on just on the website on on itch.io and I I had I purchased it and played it and thought it was quite good or, or 
you know, it was passing. I mean, it's it's a sort of a platformer type game where you're rescuing people from fire and shooting water to put out the fire. And it's it's kind of a I don't know, maybe Donkey Kong with uh, with with water. Um, so I thought it was a cool little game. So I, I paid for it, downloaded it, and and had played it on a laptop. This is years ago, a long time ago. And um and and then I found it and then I found out about the itch app and installed the itch app because I thought oh that's kind of cool it's like a little game manager I'll try try it out so again this is like a year ago now and I tried launching Mr Rescue because I realized oh this is the same site where I'd found that one game so I I installed it into the itch app and I launched it and it had no no sense of what runner to use in Lutris terms so there's the launch button and you click launch. And it just, all it could see was mrrescue.love. It didn't know to invoke love in order to run the mrrescue.love. Uh, a thing about the love game engine. Have I talked about the game, the love game engine on this show? Maybe not. Well, anyway, it's a, it's a Lua based game engine. You can think of it as sort of a pie game, except for Lua. So it's all the gaming libraries that a game developer would need in order to make a game without having to reinvent all all of the conventions of, you know, here, paint this pixel to the screen, that sort of thing. So it, it's it's nice. But the thing about it is that when you're you're finished developing your game for the Love Game Engine, all you do is you zip it up. You zip up all the files, and you rename the .zip file to a .love file. So if you've got game.zip after you've zipped up all your files, you rename that to game.love. And now if you click on it, and your system is configured correctly, love knows to launch that game. So in the terminal, it's love, space, and then the path to your game.love file. That's 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 how you launch it. And it knows, you know, love, the, the game engine that then plays the game, or that, that enables the game to be played by a person, uh, un, you know, silently unzips it, or, or, or you know, tr- uses the, the assets in a zipped... Um, in the zip file to then display all all of your code or all of the things that you have coded to happen in the window and, and it works quite nice but in the itch app it didn't know to do that it just saw a a mysterious entity called mrrescue.love and it didn't know what to do with it so i had filed a bug about that i think i'm pretty sure i did geez or or someone else had i, I don't remember you know one of those two scenarios and and that was quite some time ago. So it looks like they've fixed that side of of the problem. But but there is there does seem to be an issue with with love and their backward compatibility ness. I'm not I'm not, I'm not super crazy about ten version ten not working on eleven dot one. That's pretty severe, I'd say. So anyway, that's not itch apps problem, and it does seem like they've kind of gotten maybe the the concept of a runner a little bit more figured out which is good that's great that needed to happen other other games you can click launch and they will launch whatever needs whatever is needed for them to play i've never had any other problem with with anything but but the loved ones and that like i say that looks like it's been fixed so i guess we're okay now the thing about the the itch dot yeah itch.io application is that it is very much just a front end for itch.io. So it it's it's a library manager for itch. It it, it doesn't have even you know how on Lutris certainly the 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 very point of Lutris is to sort of aggregate all of your your games. And even in the Steam client if you've ever used that, 
you can aggregate or you can add to your Steam client games that are not uh, from Steam, purchased via you know through the Steam interface. So, for instance, if you if you had purchased um, a game from GOG.com, good old games, GOG.com, and it was Linux compatible, and then but but you primarily play with you know through through games through your Steam client, you can add a an external game to the client just so that so that when you go to Steam and you look at your your game library, it's it's more reflective of what you actually play. Now the big problem with that, as I I think I mentioned last time, is that you can't you can't tell Steam, okay, well I wanna uh, I wanna launch this little you know, Game Boy Advanced Zelda game, and and have it launch with an emulator, so that I, I'm now playing a, an old cartridge game on my computer. Steam doesn't know how to. You know, Steam will launch whatever you tell it, whatever you've added to its library. Now, as a workaround, obviously, you could make your own little .desktop file or your shell a shell script that invokes an emulator that you've installed separately and then launches that game and so on. Not so sure about the portability of that. I mean, I don't believe, I've never really, I haven't used it all that much, so I, I don't believe Steam would then sync that from your desktop to your laptop, for instance. That, that, that wouldn't happen. I mean, even just the awareness of, oh, we've got an external game having been added to our library, it won't as far as I know, it will not do that. So you would have to do that on each of your systems. The reproducibility, in other words, is a little bit problematic. Whereas on Lutris, that, that's one of its advantages. It, it can take... I'm really explaining this a lot better than I did, I think, in the previous episode. It, it can take a, a, a game that requires a specific launch time, you know, runtime executable, a runner, uh, and and it can install it onto your system. And then when you want to replicate that on some other machine... You can do the same thing as long as you're using their install scripts and you're not just adding things manually. It, it's all very reproducible, very easy to, to do. Itch.io does none of that. It, it does exactly itch.io. Itch, or the itch app, rather, does, does none of that. It just does itch.io. So if it is on itch.io, then you have access to it through this wonderful little app. If it is not on itch.io, then you're not going to see it in your itch app. So I guess of, of the three, the most flexible, certainly, would be Lutris. But I mean, that is, then again, that's what Lutris's, that's its mission statement, is to take your gaming library and, and smoosh it all together into one application, into one library. So that, that's why that's, that's why Lutris is around. That's why we're, that's why it's even a thing. Whereas Itch, I think the Itch app, you can really kind of think of it as as the open source replacement to Steam. I mean, you wouldn't want to pitch it like that to people because they would think, okay, cool, so I can get my AAA games in uh, the indie version of, I don't know, whatever, Grand Theft Auto 18 or whatever. You know, I'm just trying to think of expensive games. And that's, I mean, that's not really, you know, Itch is very much, it's an independent game site so you're the the level of of games that that would that would cost fifty dollars on steam are, are not really going to be super common on itch but if you're into the the smaller game and 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 independent development sort of scene of of the gaming industry this is it itch itch is it and you can download and play and manage your library through this itch application so you try that out if you want to, if you're if you're curious or or if you're into smaller games, then try Itch and the Itch app if you'd like, because I think they're 
it, it's worth a look. It, it definitely is worth looking at. It's, it's quite, there's a lot going on there, and it brings it onto your computer in the form of a nice little li game library application. It can be fun. In the meantime, let's go get a cup of coffee. got my cup of coffee. I do hope that you have yours. I have, I, I got this, I probably have mentioned this on the show because it really is good, but I got this, this mug, a travel mug type thing from uh, the, a conference, a booth at, at the All Things Open conference back in, I think, 2015, maybe 2016. And I have got to say, it is the absolute best mug I have ever, ever owned. I, I kid you not. It's, um, it's sort of, almost like pewter or something it's like it's you know it's metal i mean it's got like this plastic sort of ring around the the mug so that your hand doesn't burn you know when you pick up the, the hot beverage and it says optum on it o-p-t-u-m they just got free advertising see how see how i mean and they deserve it for this mug i mean not that they designed the mug it that optum i think is a you know, tech company but I, I imagine i mean they were like i say they're all at all things open um and and the lid is is really nice, but it comes apart, so you can you can take the top the swivel. You know, it's like one of those things where you can kind of close it a little bit or open it, and so you can take the top part off and wash it. It's fantastic. If you're ever at a tech conference and see the company Optum giving away travel mugs, go get one. It's really and it keeps the beverage really hot. That's the like that's I I, I meant to open with that. It's really good. Um, so. I want to talk about some feedback that I got. I got an email from some guy named Del, Del Dreamy, no less. I don't know that that's this person's real name, Del Dreamy. But um, super nice person, uh, Del, had emailed me previously just to say, like, nice things, I think. I think that was Del. Uh, yes, it was, okay. Uh, and and Del says that nerds, this is without totally without context, so this is just an email, so it says, nerds use the command line to do things that, quote, normal, unquote, people cannot do without a GUI application. Kind of assuming that refers to uh, two episodes ago, 1236. That would have been the right time because this came in on the 12th of September. So, yeah, I think that's probably in reference to, to that. And it is a great statement. I mean, it really is. It's, I mean, it sounds, it sounds kind of pithy and short and, and, and sort of and catchy, you know, it's it's just a phrase. Nerds use the command line to do things that normal people cannot do with a GUI application. And then you read it and you think, oh, yeah, actually that's a really good point. You know, if you're doing stuff in a terminal, there are very, very frequently, there. it is not uncommon to discover that you are doing something that maybe six months ago, a year ago, ten years ago, you had no idea how you would even do it with with all the tools that you had, you know, all those cool GUI applications that we that we used to swear by. Now, I'm not saying I don't swear by certain GUI applications now. I'm just saying, like, there is a times, you know, the, you'll find yourself doing something in a terminal, and you will think, there, I could not have done that previously. And that's kind of amazing. If you really, I mean, that's just, that's phenomenal. That's really exciting. I mean, in many ways, I think it's, 
I mean, it is sometimes game-changing and sometimes literally life-changing. I mean, I can speak to this because there were so many things back before I switched to Linux that I, I wanted to do on a computer and just could not figure out how to do with the tools provided me. Because all the tools were too specific. And I think that's a very common problem with with GUI tools, is that they are they are made for a purpose. Sounds like a weird problem. Uh, it's not a bad problem, really. I mean, tools should be made for a purpose, right? Yeah, and that's true. I mean, that's the thing about GUI applications. They they have a workflow built in in order to 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 find an application to do exactly what you have in mind. You have to have, you have to find someone who's already had that thing in mind and who's designed an a, a, an application, a GUI application, specifically for that purpose. And sometimes that just doesn't exist yet because maybe your idea is too wacky. Maybe your idea is dumb, but you still want to do it. Maybe your application's just too niche. Just no one's ever thought of that before. Why would you want to do this thing? Well, when it's a terminal application where it's really just one step away from being what we what we traditionally think of as code, the possibilities are endless because no one has 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 directed and no one has guided the the workflow or the process in any one direction. They've just given you a command, a bunch of options. And how you use that in relation to other commands and options, entirely up to you. And I mean, I mean, that's literally, that has been for me life-changing. That, that's, I mean, it's really not, it's not an emotional statement that I'm making. I'm, I'm saying that, that understanding Linux has changed the direction of my life. So it's a big deal. I mean, it's, that's a big statement. So what Dell is saying is quite true. Nerds do on the command line what a lot of normal people can't do with their GUI applications. And it's not just an alternative. It's not just, well, I'd rather use the terminal to do this task. It's that it's that if you don't use the terminal, you cannot accomplish that task. It's a big deal. So yeah, thank you for that observation, Dell. That's all the listener feedback I had, but I, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about itch, not necessarily about the application this time, or, or even the website. Nope, it's something different. It is an open game jam. What that means is, well, you know those, um, maybe this is something that I'm really familiar with, but I think, I think it's pretty wide, widespread. You know how those, there are those sometimes film, they're like 48 hour film festivals where, I don't know why they call them festivals, but yeah, so it's 48 hours and people, people show up, they're given a topic or a theme rather, and then they have, they're expect, they have to go out and make a short movie, a short film, within 48 hours, and then they present the film at the end of, of the 48 hours. And to make sure that everyone participating has actually made the film within that 48-hour time period, they, they give them certain requirements. You know, you have to say a certain word during the course of your film. You have to have the film, the, the genre should be you know, a mystery or, or a, an action-type movie or a, a film noir-looking movie. And so on. I mean, still, people. I've I've always had problems with those things because people still, you know, you say, oh, it's forty eight hours, and and you get people who set up their their studio beforehand, and they go out and purchase all these expensive lights and all these expensive gear, you know, and then you have film students who can barely scrape together enough to get a bagel before they leave in the morning, uh, and they they show up with their little handy cam and a flashlight, you know, and it's, I don't know. I feel like it's it's imbalanced, and and the 
and, and of course it's imbalanced, right? I mean, that's life. But then you get the, the ones that look really flash are the ones that, that get, that, that end up winning the award at the end of the night. But, but I mean, that's probably not, that's not how they all are, I'm sure. Point is, there, there are these, these events. Well, the, those events, and, and that's how I knew of the idea, like this kind of sprint idea. Well, it turns out that exists in the software world as well. And one of them, I mean, the, the, the famous one that I'd always heard of is the Ludum Dare. I don't know what on earth that refers to, but the Ludum Dare is, I think, probably the, the oldest and probably best known um, such, I guess, jam, where people get together for some fixed amount of time to make a game within that amount of time, and then they, I think they submit it for for a score or whatever and they get scored on their creation it's ldjam.com if you're if you're curious although really what i'm hoping to highlight here just because it's thematically the same and just around the corner is the open game jam for uh 2018 there was one the the first one as far as i know was last year and they're doing it again it's an open game jam you can sign up at itch.io and produce a game within, I think it is actually 48 hours. I believe it's uh, October 4th, which I think is a Friday. No, it's a Thursday, so I'm, I could be wrong. So it could be October 5th. You start the, the game development process in the evening, and then on Saturday and Sunday you continue, and I think you have to have your game turned in by the end of Sunday. Obviously, the, the results vary wildly. Because, I mean, it's it's 48 hours or whatever it actually is. And people of different skill levels and just maybe they have different ideas or maybe they run into different problems. It's all up in the air. So the, the results of each open or every game jam, and in this case the open jam, game jam, is going to vary a little bit here and there. It just kind of depends on, you know, you're going to get a mixed bag of results. But that's fine because people are programming open source games and putting them online, and that's kind of a cool thing. Now, in previous years, they 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 required that the resulting game was cross-platform. Unfortunately, this year that is no longer a requirement. So it 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 must be licensed as an open source game. It must use Creative Commons or similarly licensed game assets. But it doesn't necessarily have to be cross-platform. I think that's a big mistake, personally. But, I mean, I'm not running the event, so maybe maybe they have reasons. You know, they, they know their numbers of participation better than I do. Maybe too many restrictions. They felt um, discouraged participation. Not really sure. Either way, whether you're interested in actually participating or not, there are a couple of reasons to keep an eye on this. First of all, because there are going to be some new open-source games coming out of this. That's always a good thing. Hopefully, ideally, it will work on Linux. Uh, but also, if you're in the area um, of, of Raleigh, North Carolina, during the All Things Open, then the games that are... The, the top three games that come out of this will be featured and playable at some, some kind of booth or display at All Things Open. And All Things Open is a really fantastic conference. I've gone twice, would love to go again, can't this year but I'm kind of hoping maybe next year. It's a really good conference. It's really, it's got a lot going on there. Lots to see, a lot of great talks, and a really pretty solid uh, hallway track as well.
Okay, so last but not least, I may as well mention some games to maybe check out on the Itch application should you download it. Now, not all of these are going to be open source because some of them, it's a mixed bag on on, on Itch. Like, some of them are, are open source and some of them are just by someone who likes to program little independent games post them onto itch but doesn't care to share the source code so it is a, a bit of a mixed bag but i'm just gonna kind of talk about a couple that that i noticed that you might want to check out should you be interested in independent games so one of them first of all um, apropos to the open game jam should you be considering participating in that is the tiled map editor that's not a game it's a tool it's written in c with the cute framework and its purpose in life is to help you design levels, tile levels for a tile-based video game, and then you can export the the tile map that you have created, so that you can quickly load that in your video game. So instead of having to program out where every last platform appears on your in your game, you can just tell your game to look at this tile map file, it loads everything in for you, and then all you have to do is worry, you know, as long as your code detects all those collisions and is treating whatever kind of physics you have going on correctly, then it'll, you know, your character will bump into platforms or trees or, or rocks or whatever you've got in its way. So it's it's a handy little tool worth looking at. It's called Tiled, I think, and it's at mapeditor.org, but it's also on itch, and that's how I found it. I wouldn't have known of it otherwise. Another cool one is, well, I've already mentioned Mr. Rescue. That's, that's a fun one, but you're gonna have to port, backport it apparently to Love 10 in order to play it. Um, I mean, it's not super fun. It's just, it happens to be fun. So, and, and certainly if you've never used Lua or Love, it's not worth, it's not a bad idea to, uh, look at the code of Mr. Rescue because it is open source and you can kind of get a feel for what Lua looks like and, and how the Love game engine works until it increments itself and no longer uh, can play its own games. Another cool one is There You Go. It's a sh- uh, their their own blurb is it is a short quirky puzzle game. And it is. It's a it's a short quirky puzzle game. It's pretty neat. It's this 3D space uh and it's sort of like I kind of think of it as an escape room, although it's not really. It's, it's nowhere as near nowhere nearly as threatening as I imagine an escape room would would try to present itself. It's just a really as a house, and it you 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 are in a room, and you can rotate the room so that you can maybe possibly see other things within the room. the 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 first puzzle, such as it is, it's pretty simple. You turn on a lamp, and you open a door, and then you're out. You get out of the room. That's great, but you you get the sense of a of the mechanic. The next room is a little bit a little bit harder. There's a lock on the door, a keypad. You can try typing in random codes, but more than likely that won't work. But if you look around the room and then you figure out, well, maybe I need to rotate the room. So you rotate the room, then you do some other things and suddenly you find the code and then you type it in and it opens the door. So you kind of keep going through this thing and it's it's a lot of fun. It's really a nice little short quirky puzzle game. The other two that I have on itch that I've been playing are uh, Totomori, 
T-O-T-E-M-O-R-I. That was written in, unless I'm forgetting, but I'm pretty sure that was written in Unity. So it's nice and cross-platform. I don't believe that it's open source. I could be mistaken. But it's a uh, single, it's an, it's an arena game, sort of, where you're building your totems and also you're attempting to topple everyone else's totems that they are building. So it's it's multiplayer. And then uh, I don't know if it's multiplayer online. I mean, I I downloaded it because I wanted to play it with my my partner. So we you know, we if we're going to play a game together, it's a lot more fun if you can both play. So that was that was why I got that one. And then there's another one called Feather, which or Fruits of a Feather is what it's actually called, but it calls itself on itch just Feather Prototype. So I guess it's a prototype. Really gorgeous game. I, I think this it's an amazingly beautiful, hypnotizing game. It, it 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 there's not really a point to the game. I mean there is, I guess. You're an eagle and you're flying around this sort of mythical looking island. Low poly. It's not a particularly detailed 3D world, and yet it's really, really beautiful. I think it, it boils down to the physics and the, the setting. Um and the music, and it's just, it's super relaxing and calming, it's just one of those games, you know, I don't know if you've ever, if you ever had the PlayStation 3, there was a game on it called Flower, where you play as a flower, and all you do, or or maybe pollen, I'm not really sure, all you did in this game was float through the sky, and sometimes you could touch down onto the ground, and cause flowers to bloom all over, it was a, it was a mesmerizing game, and it was the first kind of pointless game I'd ever seen. I'd never seen that 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 genre of this is a game, but it's really just it's like an animated wallpaper almost. There's some nice music, there's some nice physics, there's some nice visuals. That's the game. I'd never experienced that before, so it kind of really blew my mind. And then um Feather, I I I guess in my mind is a little bit similar to that. It's nice music, nice physics, a little bit of exploration. You can grab fruit off trees, or you can crash into trees if you're not careful, but there's not really... That's it. I mean, I'm assuming that at some point you could collect all the fruit and then something would happen, but I don't I don't know, and I'm not going to try because that makes it too much like a game. So it's just something that I kind of I put on and, and fly around sometimes just whenever I, I don't have anything better to do. So those are the games that I have in itch right now. I'm kind of recommending some of them or all of them. And either way, you should find your own. It's it's a it's a big wide website out there. There's lots of games out there for Linux. Some of them are cool. Some of them are weird. All right, that's about it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I will talk to you next week. listening to the GNU World Order AUGcast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as AUGcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. 
And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time.